this is where we'll begin this this morning <coughs> as we continue to look at our covenant of healing from the word of God Exodus 15 is where we'll begin and uh, of course uh, different things that we have uh, uh, keep repeating but it's so important uh, we talked about always believing what God said in three major areas. <clears throat> Number one is about himself. Always believe what God said about himself. What did God say about him? What did he say uh, concerning uh, himself? And, um, you know, in, in any endeavor in life, in just a natural arena. You know, your Uncle Bob is probably not the best person to ask for financial advice. You know, Uncle Bob might be a nice guy, but he's broke, you know. And so <laughs> uh, <laughs> the point is, is that you're, you're believing what God said about himself. What did God say about him? Uh, you know, we, we just live in a time where everyone wants to explain to you what, who God is. And you've got unbelievers, non-believers, people that know nothing about God, people that have never experienced anything uh, from the Word of God or God's goodness or God's mercy or whatever, and, and they want to tell you what God said. Well, you don't even know God. So you know nothing about him. If, if you, you, can't, you can't know how God will respond in a certain situation if you don't know God. So you have to believe what God said about himself. And then secondly, you've got to believe what God said about his word. What did God say about his word? The only way that you get to know God is through the avenue of his word. It's, it, he outlines perfectly in his word who he is, what he, how he thinks, how he will act. God is not a mystery. The workings of God are not a mystery. It's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says the workings of God are only a mystery to the carnal man, to the person that's living their life out of their head. Those things will be a mystery. Because people will quote that verse, and I'll say, well, you know, like the Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Yeah, but they stop short. The very next verse says, but he's revealed them to us by his spirit. So everything in the word outlines what God thinks. That's why he never said, you can't think my thoughts. You can't see things my way. He said, here, you've got to come up to my way of thinking because my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. So you believe what God said about his word. What did God say about his word? And then thirdly, always believe what God said about what he would do. What did God say about what he would do? And that's where a lot of people, especially in healing, make a mistake. They, they go off of experience, not even their own experience, but someone else's experience. 
well, I knew so-and-so, and, you know, they were believing God, and that didn't work. Well, yeah, but what did God say he would do? See, it's, it's not, did I, it, it's not, did every person that I ever knew that was sick and said they were believing God, did they live or did they get healed? What did God say he would do? Your jobs believe God, not experience. Hallelujah. Because there's too many variables in experience. Far too many variables. Hallelujah. If you take someone born and raised in Little Rock, and you take them next winter up to Kansas City, and we, and we get one of those wonderful 13-inch snowfalls that lasts for days, and it's five below zero for two weeks, all right? Well, someone in Little Rock would prepare to stay home for two weeks. No, man, you get out and go to work. Yeah, but we don't do that here. Right, because you don't have salt trucks here. See, your experience here doesn't equate there. Because, because while it's snowing, they're putting solution on the roads. They're out plowing the roads. Yeah, it's cold. But here's, here's my point, and I don't like it. I like living here a lot better, all right? But here's, 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 here's the point. It, it can't stop you. Hallelujah. Because, because my experience, right? Now, my experience does not match up to the conditions there. I have a different experience. See, there's variables. But what the one, the one, the one steady factor is what does the word say? That closes the gap on all variables. What did the word say about it? What did God say about what he would do? If my job is find out what God said and meet the condition of what he said, right? Not, not what I said, not what Brother Hagin said, not what Brother so-and-so said. What did God say? Amen. So Exodus 15 and 26, he said, if you will diligently hearken, now that first line is going to be important today. He said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put or I will allow none of these diseases upon you that I brought or allowed upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord that heals you. So he outlines something, and he talks about diligently hearkening to the voice of the Lord your God. So, so we see something. There's a promise here, but there's a condition. God said, I'm the Lord that heals you, but he said, you have to diligently hearken. All right? To the voice of the Lord your God. Well, the Word of God is the voice of God. What God wrote is what God said. So the Word, the Bible, is God's voice. And He said diligently, and, and here's that wonderful word, diligent, diligently, to diligently hearken. In other words, it's something that I'm consistently doing. 
I'm not just doing it in terms of my healing. I'm doing it in terms of my life. I'm diligently hearkening to what God said. And that word hearken, of course, we don't use that word a lot. You know, nobody's come up to you recently and said, oh, hearken. You know, no, no one's done that. All right. <laughs> Art thou hearkening? Uh, amen. Glory to God. But that word hearken, it simply means this, that you're hearing with an intention of doing. So I'm hearing, but I'm planning to do. All right, so he's saying, hear the word, the commandment, with the intention of doing it. Hallelujah. And he said, well, do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments. And notice what he said. He said, none of those diseases would come on you because I'm the God that heals you. And that's how, that's how it's written. These diseases came on Egypt, but they won't come on you because I'm the God that heals you. That's important. Because that's what you've got to remind yourself of. My God heals me. Amen. Now, why is that important? Because you will go into good, well-meaning, Bible-teaching churches where they speak in tongues and roll on the floor and shout, and they'll tell you God will make you sick. That, that, if, you, right, that if you don't do right, God will put a sickness on you. The God that heals cannot be the God that makes sick. He cannot be. Because, because that, would, that would make God adversarial to, him own, to his own self. Hallelujah. If God made someone sick and then healed them, what a hypocrite. What a hypocrite. Well, how dare you call God a hypocrite? I'm not calling God a hypocrite because he doesn't do that. He only makes well. Because he said, I'm the God that heals you. You'll never find a scripture that says, I'm the God that makes you sick. That's not in the covenant. And you've got to have a covenant mindset. You, if, I know this sounds elementary, but if you do not know the terms of your covenant, you can't operate proficiently in your covenant. You don't know what to believe for. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you ever known someone that, that never paid attention to their insurance until they needed to make a claim? And then they're searching through their drawers and searching through the files, trying to find out who they call? Well, whose policy is it? It's, it's, it's their policy. Right? They pay for it every year or every quarter or ever how you do it. They, when you got that policy with the insurance company, did they or did they not give you a policy manual that told you what was covered? Is that right? This is covered. This is not covered. Here's the name of your agent. Here's who you call if you've got to make a claim. Glory to God. But yet many people, something will happen. They'll go, oh, my Lord, who do we call? What do we do? Dear God, what's my deductible? I don't even, right? They don't know the terms of their covenant. Do you know if you don't know the terms of your covenant, they could tell you your deductible is $20,000. 
right? And if you don't find out what it really says, you'll cut a check for 20 grand. Glory to God. You see what I'm saying? And get robbed from. My covenant tells me that God who made it with me is the God that only heals me. That's it. That's what he does. Now, I've got to know that. Because the devil is a liar. Religion is a lie. Amen. And so the enemy will come and he'll, and he'll, throw, he'll throw this off on people. Well, it's something you've done and you've missed it somewhere. And, and somehow God, you know, God allowed this because of you. Well, God does allow what we allow, but here's the thing. I've, I've been doing this for a number of years, many years, and I've seen a lot of people healed. And here's the thing. It's a very small percentage of people that were in some area of disobedience as to why sickness came on them. Most of the time, sickness comes on people because of ignorance. Most of the time. And the enemy knows that if, if, if a person is without understanding, it's easy for them to put sickness on him. It's easy for him to put sickness on him. That's why he fights the knowledge of the true word of God and the true will of God. Because once you understand your covenant and the knowledge of God becomes yours, his days of running over you are finished. They're just finished. Amen. Because I know my covenant. I know my rights. Oh, glory. So he said, I am that. There's that blank check. And then he fills it in. I am the Lord that heals you. Oh, glory. Your physician. Your surgeon. Personal physician. My personal surgeon. Glory to God. Exodus 23. <clears throat> And verse 25, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and water, and I will take sickness from the midst of you. And nothing shall cast their young or be barren in your land. The number of your days I will fulfill. So here's this very familiar verse, but one translation, the Knox translation says, I'll keep sickness far away from your company. Notice the word, far away. So I'm told what to expect for sickness to be kept far away from me. Another translation says, I will banish sickness from among you. I like that. I will banish it. Now, why is that important? That's in your covenant. So not only do I believe to be healed, I believe to stay healed and to stay well. Oh, glory. Do, do you see this? So I'm not just going to get healed. I'm going to stay healed. I'm going to live this divine health life. See, that this is important. Hallelujah. Because remember, he said, we'll read this in just a moment. He said, those diseases of Egypt that you know will not come on you. That, that's important. That's important for you to, to keep that in your mouth. That sickness is from the devil, not from God. God, my healer, heals me and keeps me healed. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Amen. That's how somebody can get healed of a, of a deadly condition and it never come back on them. Because God healed them, yes, but he kept it off of them. Amen. Amen. And, and I've watched that. I've watched people be brought back from the brink of death. I've watched people come to church and, 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 and tell us the doctor said there's nothing they can do. There's no hope. It's, 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 we're just, it's too far gone. You're never too far gone for the healer. Ever are you too far gone for the healer. And not only will he heal you, he'll keep you healed. Glory to God. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Hallelujah. And uh, verse 8. Because the Lord loved you. Now see, when you read these things, the Lord loves you. And, and remember, Deuteronomy is second law. That's what the word means, second law. Well, Deuteronomy was not written to the first generation of Israelites that came out of Egypt. This is the second generation. And Moses is having to re re go back and recount to them everything God told their parents. And that's why you see all the way through the book of Deuteronomy, God said, tell them not to be stubborn. Tell them not to be rebellious. Right? And notice he says, because the Lord loved you and would keep the oath that he swore to your fathers. Now, that's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but that's that first generation. This is so important. That first generation had a blood-sworn oath from God. And they all died in the wilderness with a covenant. With a covenant. That, what we read in Exodus, that was the promise God made to the first generation. He renewed it in Deuteronomy for the second generation. But that in Exodus where he said, I'm the Lord that heals you. And then he said, I'll take sickness and disease from your midst. I'll keep it from you. That was to the first generation. Hallelujah. And, and there's something that they did that caused this. But notice, he said, because the Lord loved you and keep the oath he swore to your fathers, the Lord's brought you out with a mighty hand, redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, when I read bondmen, I read Pharaoh, king of Egypt, I think, I think the curse, those diseases, those sicknesses that are in the world. Pharaoh and Egypt are always a type of Satan in the world. And he's always connected to bondage. You never read anything about Pharaoh in Egypt that doesn't have to do with bondage. Always. And notice, he said he delivered you with a mighty hand and redeemed you covenant language, New Testament covenant language. He redeemed me from the house of bondmen. I'm not a bondman anymore. I'm not a, you're not a bond person anymore. You're not in bondage anymore. To what? Anything that has to do with the world. Amen. Listen, if you're free from sin, you're supposed to be free from sickness. 
If you're free from sickness, you're supposed to be free from poverty. Because it's all it's all in one in one package. Amen. That's all bondage. God delivered his people Israel not only from the bondage of Pharaoh as far as slavery. The Bible says we were slaves to sin. But yet he delivered us. Glory to God. They were in bondage to poverty and evidently they were in bondage to sickness. Because he said all those diseases, you know them. Amen. Then he said, notice, know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God. Now, why would he have to say that? Because the previous generation was delivered from over 400 years of bondage in Egypt, and they had learned to worship Egypt's gods. That's why at Mount Sinai, when they didn't know what happened to Moses, they made the statement, make us gods to take us back to Egypt. And what did Aaron do? He made them the primary god of Egypt, the golden calf. Aaron. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, well, why was that? Well, Aaron was raised into the, into the, in the same atmosphere. But now he's telling this generation, I, I understand that you learned about these other gods, but know something. You're God. He is God. Mm. And notice, he's the faithful God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. He's the faithful God. That means he cares for you like a father cares for, the, for a, 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 a sweet child. Amen. That's how, that's how he cares for you. I say that's how he cares for you. Amen. He, he, he loves you. He, he has compassion for you. He's your protector. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Nobody is more tender to my daughter than I am. And nobody is more fierce about protecting her than I am. Amen. When she needs compassion, I'm the most compassionate person she knows. When she needs safety, I'm the best protector she knows. That's how it is with God. God not only delivers you from sickness, he becomes your fierce protector and keeps you free from it. Because he's faithful to you. Glory to God. And he keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So notice we saw that in the very, in the very first verse that we read. He said, if you give ear to his commandments and hearken diligently to what he said. So here again, he reiterates that. Them that love him and keep his commandments. Now, verse 14. You will be blessed above all people. <laughs> there will not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord, that is again, the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt that you know upon, that you know upon you, but will lay them or allow them upon all that hate you. So notice the evil diseases of Egypt. Now, notice what he calls disease, evil. And notice where he says it comes from, the world, the curse. Oh, glory to God. Do, do you see how much faith fodder you're getting here? Disease is evil. And God has nothing to do with evil. 
and he says it's of Egypt. Oh, glory. One translation says, you will be healthy because the Lord will protect you from those dreadful diseases. Mm. Another says, the Lord will keep you from having any kind of illness. Oh, my Lord. Did, did you see that? Now, now, think about this. If you don't correct your thinking, that seems impossible. I've had people tell me, well, now, brother, now you know everybody gets sick. Okay. And you can have what you say. I choose to not be one of those everybody that can get sick. I mean, it's, it's, it, you understand? Everything in the Word comes down to how far are you willing to go with it. How far are you willing to go with what God said? See, he said, I'll keep you from having any kind of illness. Yeah, but what if it tries to come on me? Then you say, but, 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 but wait a minute, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. God said he would keep me from having any kind of illness. So you got to go. Amen. Well, what if it don't go? Wait a minute. See, you got to renew your mind that when I tell it to go, it's going. Because I told it to go. That's, that's part of my covenant. Uh, another one says, the Lord will keep you from getting sick. Whew. Another says, the Lord will keep you free from every disease. So there you go. Name them. Every disease. The Lord will keep you free from every disease. Amen. See, pastors have run into a problem in these last two years of the pandemic because they get frustrated at their people for being concerned about COVID and they didn't teach them about healing from every other disease. And you got pastors mad at their people because they, they walk in fear. Well, they were afraid of sickness already. Because he wasn't preaching and she wasn't preaching anything against it. If you weren't preaching and teaching healing before the pandemic hit, you're going to have a terrible time trying to get people to believe it now. But, I, but I'm telling you, you name it. You, you name As bad as the pandemic is, there are still more people dying from other things than COVID. Heart disease is still killing hundreds of thousands of people every year. What I'm trying to explain to you is, is COVID a disease? It is. Then he said that he will keep me free from every disease. He will keep me free from COVID. He will keep me free from heart disease. He will keep me free from, from cancer. He will keep me free from every disease. I have a covenant. Amen. Glory to God. Did, do you see that? A minister cannot get mad at people for not doing what he didn't teach them. That's, that's so important. That's so important. Glory to God. Glory. Isn't it good to be healed? And to stay healed. Wow. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Dear sister right here in the black coat, 
I don't know what you need done in your bloodstream, but it's curing right now. It's curing right now. I see the antibodies flowing through your bloodstream, and it's affecting a cure. I'm telling you, the two next two weeks of your life are going to be the most energetic weeks you've ever had. Oh, glory to God. I believe God. Ooh, look at Genesis 3. My Lord, y'all are like sponges. And that's good because I got a lot. I got a lot to say. <laughs> Hallelujah. I didn't get to preach at all Sunday, so <laughs> I, I, got, I, got all, I, got, I got full is what I got. Genesis 3, 4. Now, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture, but this is so important. Genesis 3.14, the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle and every beast of the field. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Now, now notice verse 14 is speaking to the physical creature. Verse 15 is speaking to the spiritual aspect. The serpent at one time had legs, was, it had the ability to walk upright, was very cunning. Amen. But God said, because you've allowed, ultimately what he's saying, because you allowed yourself to be used. Isn't that interesting? There's so much there kind of leaves us with the understanding that maybe he had a choice or had the ability to make the choice. But in any event, then he says this, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and your seed and her seed. Now, yes, that's mankind overall, but it's a specific seed. And notice, it, her seed, will bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Well, we know that this is not just the human race, because there are multiplied millions in the human race that the enemy's just destroying. But there is a group that tramples his head. And it's from that, it's the seed of the seed of the woman. That makes sense? But here's what I want you to notice. Here, the serpent is forever linked to the curse. The serpent allowed itself to be used by the devil... The, the devil tempted Adam and Eve. Now, a lot of times when people talk about Adam and Eve, they talk about how, you know, they were just unwittingly uh, deceived. No, you cannot be tempted if you are not already desirous. There are people that will act like they never looked at that tree before. Then how could it be a temptation? If you're not looking at something, it can't tempt you. Hallelujah. 
Chocolate pie will not tempt you if you don't look at it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with chocolate pie. Amen. But glory to God, my father was forever peanut butter pie. That was his pie, peanut butter pie. Somebody ought to make me a peanut butter pie. And they'd make it and he'd eat it, sure enough. Amen. But here, here's the point. Ever what you believe about that, the serpent is forever linked to the curse. Think about this. In that garden, there was no death. There was nothing to cause death. So no sickness, no disease. And people will say, well, yeah, and that's how it's going to be in heaven. My brother, sister, that's how it's supposed to be right now on the earth for the believer. This is not a picture of heaven. This is a picture of what Christ brought us back to. Genesis chapter 2, the first part of Genesis chapter 3, that's what Christ died to take us back to. That place of complete and utter dominion over the devil and his works. God made a covenant with Abraham so that he could ensure that every person that put faith in Christ would immediately be given authority and victory over the devil. Now, what stops people from operating that is, in, is a lack of understanding of their covenant. Glory to God. Oh, my Lord, there's so much there. You know, we read Genesis, and we, th and we read where it says the seventh day God rested. And we think that it meant that God rested from creating the world and creating Adam and create. Well, that's part of it. But the Bible says that all of the works for all of mankind, the plan for everybody's life, was finished from the foundation of the world. God's been resting for millennia. He's, he's not planning your life right now. He's not planning to heal you. Your healing's already done. It's finished. God doesn't, do you, do you see this? God doesn't have to work to heal you. I just have to walk into what his work has already provided. Glory be to God. Think, think about this. If I did all the work, if I said, okay, uh, we're going to have a banquet tonight, and I did all the work, and I cooked, and I made, I made uh, uh, turkey and ham and chicken and, and, and mashed potatoes and broccoli and, and everything that you like, peanut butter pie, chocolate pie, right, mint julep, whatever, right? I made everything that you like, and I said, y'all, come on, dinner's ready, right? But I've done the work. I did the work. I'm finished. What do you do? Sit down and enjoy it. Now think about that. Are you going to enjoy that chicken? But, but you, you, right? You didn't bake it. You didn't season it. Somebody else did the work. There are believers that have a banquet of healing 
a banquet of prosperity, a banquet of victory, and the work has been finished since the foundation of the world. Since God founded the world, the work for your life has been finished. He doesn't have to try to heal us. See, this is how you've got to think about it. Some want to say, yeah, that person came up and had hands laid on them and God healed them. No, they walked into it. God healed them from the foundation of the world. That healing was already there. They just walked into it when hands were laid on them. When Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That was already done from the foundation of the world. That was his plan already from the foundation of the world. When he said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why shall they recover? Because the healing's already there. You just, you just act in faith and they shall recover. That's why, and you, you do your own study on this. You read all the way through the book of Acts and you never say that, see them one time, not one time. Do you see them laying hands on anybody and asking God to heal them? They commanded them to be healed in the name of Jesus. The very first miracle we see in Acts chapter 3. Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Didn't pray for him. Commanded him to be healed in Jesus' name. The Bible says further on in the book of Acts that Peter went down to the certain city and there was a man there named Aeneas that had kept his bed 30 and 8 years and it said Peter walked up to him and said, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Rise and walk. And he got up and walked. Acts chapter 14, round verse 7, it says they went to Lystra and a man sat there impotent in his mother's feet from his birth and had never walked. The same heard Paul preach, who perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, rise up and walk in Jesus' name. And he rose up and walked. My point is they had a revelation that the work's done. And if I command you to do something in Jesus' name, and you'll take it by faith, it's yours. Oh, glory. See, the, 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 the man that Paul commanded had to have faith. And, and the Bible says he had faith. Well, every, listen, everybody in here has faith. Everybody in here, everybody watching, I believe, I don't, I don't know. Everybody has faith. If you're born again, Romans 12, 3 says you've been given a measure of faith. You have it. It's what you do with it. Glory to God. So when somebody says, I, I, you're healed, don't, don't go, well, yeah, I believe. No, I, I, yes, amen, I agree with that. I am in Jesus' name. Why? Because they're speaking truth. Hallelujah. There, there are people in this room, when I talk to them, I don't say, well, how you feeling? I say, How's you, how you doing, healed lady? How you doing, healed man? Why? Because that's how I see you. See you as healed. Why do I see you as healed? Because that's how the Father sees you. Oh, there's a lot there, isn't there? From the foundation of the world, the work has been finished. And it's, it's taken the devil thousands of years, multiplied thousands of years, to convince the church that we got to get something that God says is already ours. 
Amen. Think about this. When I was a boy growing up in church, we, we sang this song. I know we sang it. If we didn't sing it every Sunday, we sang it every other Sunday. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, then we'll sing and shout the victory. And the, you know what the verses were all about? The challenge, the struggle, the pain that we're facing. But when we all get to heaven, mm -mm. when's our rejoicing? Now. When do we sing and shout the victory? Now. Why? Joy carries the heavy things in your life. Joy moves the heavy things. Whew. I'm not going to get into that, but hallelujah. So the curse is forever connected to the serpent. Numbers 21. Oh, glory to God. And, 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 and that's how you have to go to the Father. Many people miss it in their praying because they, they go to the Father asking the Father for something that's already theirs. God cannot give you what you're supposed to take. If, if, if I reached in my pocket, if I reached in my pocket and uh, took out a $100 bill, took out a $100 bill and put it right here and, and spoke to somebody here and said, okay, uh, I put that $100 bill there on the desk. Uh, you can just, anytime you want it, right? You see what I'm saying? Did, did, have I made it available? I say, have I made it available? I made it available, right? What's, 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 what's the job? What's the job? What's the job? Come take it. Is that right? Come take it. Right? I've already put it out there. Now, here's what I'm saying. I can't give you what you won't take. I've made it available. If you don't take it, amen. One time I did that, I was using that illustration, and I had a $20 bill, and I said, uh, you know, if, if I walked up and I named a certain sister, uh, I named a certain person, and, and I said, uh, if I said to them, you know, uh, here, I want you to take this $20 bill, and I said, they don't act, I said, what's going to happen? And a sister came from this side, whoom, came grab that money. I said, well, that's exactly what will happen, right? You can't ever fall into that thinking, why did God do it for them and not me? They took it. They took it. Hallelujah. Have you ever invited somebody out to dinner? And they, went, they said, no, nah, you know, they had something going on or they didn't go or whatever. And then the next time, you know, that you, somebody was talking about how you had went to dinner and you all had went to dinner. And they said, well, you didn't invite me. Well, you didn't want to go. Hallelujah. This thing is paid for. I have covenant blood. That says this is paid for. In uh, Numbers 21, verse 5, the people spake against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Now, this is important. Notice what they were saying. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die 
in this wilderness? For there is no bread, no water, our soul loatheth this light bread. You know what that light bread is? Angel's food. And look, they're loathing it. They're in the wilderness with no food. And they get up every morning, and it's there. They don't have to work for it. Just got to go get it. Right? Ah. And the Lord sent fiery serpents, or you can say allowed them, but either way. Uh, Understand something. If God did send them in the sense that we think that, he was justified because they were, breaking the, they were breaking the commandment. Remember what he said? You hearken diligently unto me and do what I tell you to do. They're in this place of having to be in the wilderness so long that they need manna because they wouldn't be obedient to God. If they would have been obedient to God and did what he said, they would have been in the promised land in two weeks. Amen. Don't just exist when God wants you to thrive. Don't don't just feel a little better. Be healed. Oh, glory to God. I saw a person recently healed that, dear God, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I was sitting on the front row and watched them get healed. And if there was anybody that I thought God was going to heal that day, it wasn't them. Just, in my mind, just not the most faithful person. You understand? And I I just had to sit there on the front row and go, God, how merciful you are. How full of grace you are. And, And people say, well, what happened? At some point, that person reached out and grabbed what God said they could have that day, and they got it. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? And he said, notice, the Lord sent fiery serpents. They bit the people. Much people of Israel died. Now think about this. The curse has come on the covenant people. Do you see this? And notice what happened. Much of them died. Therefore, the people came and said, we've sinned. We've spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he'll take the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Now notice, and the Lord said to Moses, notice what it doesn't say. Okay, I'll take it away. It said the Lord told Moses, make a fiery serpent, put it on a pole. It will come to pass. Everyone that's bitten when he looks on it shall live. Didn't just take it away. They had something they had to do. They had to, they had to look. And Moses made a serpent of brass, put it on a pole. It came to pass if a serpent had bitten any man. When he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Glory to God. But notice, the Amplified Bible says, when he looked at the serpent attentively, expectantly, he lived. But Young's literal translation says, he has looked expectantly under the serpent of brass. He has lived. So notice, attentively 
and expectantly. The first mention of the serpent in the Bible is associated with the curse. This is the third mention of serpents in the Bible. The second mention is when Moses cast his rod down and it became a serpent. This is the third mention. The third mention of the serpent is associated with judgment and death. The serpent was a symbol of Christ bearing the curse on the cross. Any man, notice, any man, not that glanced, that looked attentively. If you will hearken diligently unto my commandments, I will allow none of these diseases that I've allowed upon Egypt because I'm the Lord that heals you. See, I have a responsibility to be attentive, to be expectant. When you read the word in the morning and you read Exodus 15, I'm the Lord that heals you. You're expecting something. I'm not just going over. A lot of people go over their confession scriptures and they're not expecting anything from them. They're just confessing because that's what we word and spirit people do. We confess the word. I've got, I'm confessing the word because I'm expecting it to work. Glory be to God. So we go to the word attentively, expectantly, attentively, expectantly. Woo, glory to God. David said it this way. He said, I rejoice over your word like a man that's found great treasure. Amen. Bro, bro, Brother, Hagen, Brother Hagen said the people that receive are the people that are thrilled with the word. Thrilled with the word. Just thrills me. Amen. We don't see if it will work. We know it will work. We expect to see the results of the word working in our lives. I expect to be healed and to stay healed. We taught last week, I, I expect my youth to be renewed and I expect it to stay renewed. Glory to God. See, that's it. <laughs> you can't allow what well-meaning people say to stop you from receiving. Remember the story of the, the lady that came up and uh, she came up to have prayer to Brother Hagin and, and, and her hearing was so bad that she, could, she had hearing aids in both ears and she couldn't hear. People were yelling at her. Brother Hagin had the microphone and was yelling at her. And she was going, hey? Right? And he laid hands on her and was instantly healed. She was instantly healed. And he noticed as she was walking back, she had a problem with her, her leg, couldn't hardly use her leg. He said, oh, dear sister, he said, come back up here. He said, let's get that leg healed. And she said, no, I can live with this leg. i got to have these ears. Well, I mean, you know, that's humorous. It is. I, I laughed the first time I heard it. But then I got the revelation. She's going to live with something that the same God that healed her ears would heal her of. Don't, don't, get, don't get your arm healed and your leg stay sick. Amen. Don't, don't get rid of cancer and say you're okay with heart problems. 
Don't get rid of heart problems and live with diabetes. How about just get it all taken care of? Just like when you take your car to the garage. Hey, just whatever's wrong, just fix it. Glory to God. Lord, just revamp all of it. Oh, hallelujah. You're going to live so long, the old people are going to call you old. Hallelujah. I'm telling you the truth. I, I'm telling you. I, I am pushing for this. Not, not one sick person in our midst. I'm telling you. Amen. I, I'm telling you. There's going to be generations raised up on your knees. There's going to be generations come to our churches that, that remember you when they were little and remember you when they were teenagers and remember you when they're adults and their kids are going to grow up knowing you. You're going to live so doggone long. And to live that long, you got to be not sick. Hallelujah. Look at Psalm 91. Psalm 91, verse 10. I'm hurrying a little bit. Oh, Lord, time, where'd you go? You're teaching this time is not on your side. Psalm 91, verse 10. There shall no evil befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling. Why? He'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon you shall trample under feet. The Amplified Bible says you'll tread on the lion and adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Now notice, here we have it again. Here's this ideology of the curse and those things produced by the curse. And notice what he said, you'll trample them. Well, that's what he said in Genesis chapter 3. He said, you'll crush them. Oh, glory to God. So no matter what the sickness produced by the curse, we trample it under our feet because we have a covenant of healing. And, and notice, he, he says uh, 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 the young lion and the, and the implication is the young serpent. So the implication is the first one is the old lion and the old adder or the old serpent. So in other words, something you may have had a long time or something you just got, you're still going to trample it underfoot. It doesn't matter if you've had it 30 years, it's got to go. It's got to go because he said he would take it. Amen. If you just found out about it today, it's got to go. You don't need to have it 20 years for God to heal you of it. Oh, oh, that's what the, the doctor said. I got that. You got to go. You, you got to tell your body. Body, rebel against that. You rebel against that diagnosis in the name of Jesus. Why? Because you're designed to live. And you got to tell your body that. My body, you're designed to live. I will not suffer any breakdowns. You, you, amen. Hallelujah. I can't, I can't stop diseases from coming on the world, but they stop at my doorstep. Plagues and diseases drop dead at my doorstep because I'm in charge. Yes, ma'am. They have to. You stop right here in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Isn't that good news? Because I have proof of my covenant. I have the token upon my heart. I have the sign of that spiritual circumcision on my spirit. That's the proof. That's the token. And every disease, every germ, every virus knows what it looks like. And they have to stop. Glory to God. 
Amen. Look, look, look at Psalm 78. I'm hurrying. But I want you to see something. This is so important that we get this. I figure you're here. You might as well get the whole buffet. Psalm 78, verse 6. And, and, and the Lord is telling uh, uh, the psalmist to tell these things for a reason. So that the generation to come might know them, the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Notice this. And might not be as their fathers, a stubborn, rebellious generation, a generation that did not set their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Verse 10. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. Hmm. Notice they didn't set their heart right with God. Their spirit was not steadfast and faithful to God. Well, part of being steadfast and faithful to God is saying what he said and believing what he said. Lord, I'm going to be steadfast to you. What did you say? What did you say? Right? And that's what I'm going to believe. That's part of being faithful to God. If, I'm, if I say I'm faithful to you, but I don't believe you, I'm not. Now think about this. And you've given me no reason to not believe you. God cannot lie. Why would you not be faithful to him? See, this is important. When someone says, you know, why did God allow this? Or maybe even say God did this. They're unfaithful to God. That, that is non-covenant language. The covenant of marriage dictates that, that I am faithful to my spouse, but not only faithful in act, but faithful in thought, faithful in words. I don't speak ugly about them. I don't say condescending things about them. Why? We're in covenant. I'm faithful to her. Is it, you understand? That's why when you say, see somebody talk ugly about their spouse, they're unfaithful. Well, they didn't commit adultery. They're unfaithful. They're unfaithful in their words. Right? When someone says, ask ah, my old lady, that's what they think about their wife. Now, it's not home and family living, but you understand what I mean by that? When someone says, why did God allow this? They're unfaithful to God. Because there's something in their mind that says God did this. Amen. Pastor Michelle's book that she's got coming out called Escaping Hell. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I've been reading that. I laughed. I cried. I shouted. Amen. But she recounted the story of when, when we had not been married very long and, and uh, 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 we were, we, she was pregnant with our first child. And, uh, you know, the, the world says we lost the child, but we didn't lose the child. The child's not lost. It's just in our future. But the, the, the point is, is this, is uh, we, we had well-meaning people in our church, including our pastor, that called us. And some people said, well, you know, we don't know why God did this. 
And my pastor called me and he said, we don't understand why God allowed this. And uh, I didn't know everything then, but I know I went to my wife. And she re I, it reminded me because she recounted this in her book. And I told her, I have found in the word that God said he came to give life and give it more abundantly. And I took her hand and I said, that's what we choose to believe. And I said, I don't know where we opened the door, but we opened the door and we allowed the devil to do this because it wasn't God. Amen. See, that was the beginning. I determined right there, I've got to make a choice. If, if I say God did this, I'm going to have a hard time serving God. I don't like anybody that hurts children. Right? I just, I, I, I despise that. I have, a hard, I have a hard time thinking that I could ever forgive somebody that hurt a child. You want to know the truth about it? Because a child's helpless, right? And to think that God would do that, immediately that flew in my face. If God did this, I didn't see this stuff go on in the world. The rank of sinner I knew wouldn't do this. Now, I know there's people who say, well, how could you doubt God in that moment? It wasn't doubting God. It was not knowing what God would do or not do. When I found out what God would do, that changed the whole thing. And, and God was able to heal. And God, and God set us up for those three or four years later when we, when we gave birth to our youngest, well, my wife gave birth, but we gave, she gave birth to our youngest daughter and the enemy tried to attack her physically, we knew what to do. We knew what to stand against. Hallelujah. And that child's nearly 30 years old right now and has given me one of the most beautiful grandbabies you'd ever want to meet in your life. Glory to God. Do, do you understand why I'm saying this? Because... If I don't talk about God right, I'm not faithful to God. You see this? Notice Numbers 14. I'm going to, here, give me just another minute. We'll knock this out. Numbers 14, verse 27. This is, this is part of where I really wanted to get you. Am I helping you today? Verse 27, how long will I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel that murmur against me. Say unto them, as truly as I live, says the Lord, as you've spoken in my ears, so I will do to you. Your carcasses will fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward that murmured against me, you will not come into the land that I swear that you would dwell in. Doubtless you will not. Now notice what he said. As you have spoken in my ears. These are the covenant people. That have a covenant that they would go into that land. But they kept saying, we're going to die in the wilderness. You brought us out here to die. Why did you bring us out here to die? Now see, people take confession and they think it's just positive and negative. Finally, God said, okay, you tell them, as you've spoken in my ears, that's what's going to happen. 
Hallelujah. My part of the covenant is faith and obedience. I don't want to say anything in God's ears that's not what God said. Because I'll have what I say. That's so important where a covenant of healing is concerned. He said from the very beginning of that covenant with the people of Israel, he said, I'm the Lord that heals you. I'll take sickness from your midst. I'll keep it from your midst. So for someone to say as a believer, I'm not healed, is unfaithful to God. Because he said you were. And see, here's the answer then. That's why so many people's confession binds them because God says, okay, as you've spoken, that's how it'll be. Because someone can say, I want to be healed and then say, but I'm not healed. Well, that, that, that's what you're saying you are. God, if God says you are, you are, you, you agree with him. Yeah, but I don't feel it. But wait a minute. Did God say you were healed because you felt it, or did he just say you were healed? He said you were healed. And when were the works finished? Foundation of the world. When was healing complete? Oh, when Jesus went to the tree. Mm -mm, that was the payment for what's already been done. Have you ever had anybody do some work for you and you paid them later? Anybody? Was the work done? All you had to do is pay for it. The work was done from the foundation of the work of the world. Jesus paid for it on the cross. Jesus paid for it visibly on the cross. Yet, oh Lord, I can get into this. Yet it was already paid for because he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What we saw on the cross was just the visible representation of what had already occurred. And everybody that Jesus healed was healed on credit. Everybody that was healed in the Old Testament was healed on credit because the work was already done. So we could say it this way. I'm already healed according to what the Word of God says. I got to align what I say with what God says I already am. Because it's been done. Now, I won't read these verses. You can read them. But, hallelujah. In Acts 28, 3 through 5, we know that the Bible talks about Paul and how that he uh, took that bunch of sticks over and threw it in the fire. And the viper jumped out and grabbed him by the hand. One translation says, but Paul just smiled and shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Well, see, the, the representation is still there. The curse had no effect on the covenant man, even though the snake bit him. Amen. Did, did you see that? In Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The Woos Bible says, I have given you authority to advance. One translation says, I've given you the free right of treading over serpents and scorpions 
and all the power of the foe, and nothing shall harm you. Another translation says, Remember, I've given you the power to trample on snakes and to meet all the strength of the enemy. Nothing will ever harm you in any way. I like the Fenton translation. It says, I've given you the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and upon all the might of the enemy, and none can resist you. None what? None of the might of the enemy. None of the sicknesses of the Egyptians that came on them can resist us. If you think that way, cancer can't resist you. It has no defense against you. None. Hallelujah. It may try to take up residence in your body, but it is not its body. My body belongs to God. My body belongs to God. God is my healer. God did not create me with sickness. God did not create cancer. God did not create sugar diabetes. God did not create heart disease. That all came with the curse. And he said in Genesis chapter 3 that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. We've read all throughout the scripture. Whenever the serpent tried to uh, uh, impose itself, God had a remedy for it up to and including in the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus gave unsaved men and non-spirit filled men authority to trample on all the works of the devil. That was a delegated authority. You and I operate operate in a birthright authority. It's ours because of our birthright. Glory to God. It's my inheritance. It's part of my covenant. Genesis 22, part of the covenant that God made with Abraham was your seed will possess the gates of his enemies. That's our authority. Glory to God. Shh. No part of the curse can resist our authority. Just can't. Hallelujah. I'm healed. You're healed. You're healed. Whole. The work's been finished from the foundation of the world. Jesus paid for it. God created it. Jesus paid for it. And the Holy Spirit made it mine. Glory to God. Mine right now, mine right now, mine right now. I say it's mine right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Ha, 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 ha. Joy moves the heavy things. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, but the doctor said this. Ha, ha, ha. I know. Ha, ha. Ah, they said I got a heart problem. Ha, 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 ha. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, but I feel like I'm faking. You are. I know. Ha, ha. You're putting on, but you're doing what the Bible says. I'll end with this. In Nehemiah 8, the people that came with Nehemiah back to the land of Israel, to the city of Jerusalem, they had forgotten God. They had walked away from his commandments. And when Nehemiah called Ezra the scribe and had him read in the ears of all the people, it says there was a platform built for Ezra the scribe, and they begin to read the law, and the people begin to see where they had missed it. And it says they begin to weep. 
But Nehemiah stood up and he said, whoa, 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 hang on. He said, this is not a day for weeping. It's a day for rejoicing. Now, now here's the thing. The word came and they saw where they'd missed it and their hearts were, were broken because they'd missed it. But Nehemiah got up and said, no, 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 listen, we, we know the word, we see the word. It's not a day for grieving. It's a day for rejoicing. He said, so you go your way. Eat the fat and drink the good and don't be sorrowful because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. I know you see where you missed it, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, maybe, maybe you missed it. Maybe you didn't see it. But the answer is joy. The answer is now I know the truth. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Ha, ha. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed in Jesus' name. That joy is the moistness of my bones. That joy is the rejoicing of my heart. That joy is the strength of my life. Cancer can't stay where joy is. Heart disease can't stay where joy is. Diabetes can't stay where joy is. My body cannot stay weak and incapacitated when I have joy. Joy is strength. Glory to God. Ha, 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 ha. Amen. Glory to God. So, Father, thank you today. Thank you for the hearers in this room. Thank you for the hearers watching online. Father, we thank you that we have a covenant with you that says the curse is, is, is devastated under our feet. It cannot exercise you. Yes, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Satan, you will not, you will not exercise your will against these people. You won't do it. You cannot enforce your will in their life. We enforce God's will in our life. And we declare we're the healed of the Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. And just to show you, we believe it. We just laugh at you. Ha, 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 ha. We're healed in Jesus' name. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. Ha 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 every bone is healed ha ha every heart is healed ha 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 every disease is gone ha 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 every eyesight is is well ha 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 every hearing ear is hearing right ha 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Every symptom, every disease, every germ, every virus, gone, healed. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. What do you mean I can't do that? Ha 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 ha. Ha ha ha. Yes, I can. Oh, glory to God. So, Father, thank you. Thank you. The days of his dominion have been over. And some have just found out about it. But now that we know, you're going to pay, devil. You're, you're going to pay, number one, by us being and walking in our health. And number two, you're going to pay because we're going to get our hands on everybody that we can get our hands on and get them healed. Because you have no authority here. You have no power here. You're defeated. 
you're defeated. Now you crawl on your belly and our heel is on your head and we're not letting you up in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. So we thank you. Thank you for your healing in Jesus' name. Oh, praise God. We so appreciate everybody being here. I just love these sessions, and uh, they're growing. We're just going to keep putting the word out there. Amen. Hallelujah. So till we see you next week or tomorrow night, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you.